Thanks for tuning in. We're Ace Comicals. I have with me my co-host Rahul Jani and Leon Everett. I'm Brett Driver. Let's get started. Hi guys, welcome. Episode number 35, and as always, we have a bunch of stuff to power through. It's been a stacked two weeks uh, with free comic book day, and also some great new books hitting the shelves of your LCS, that's your local comic book shop, or if you prefer it that way, the digital shelves. So, um, as always, I'm joined by the usual suspects. We've got Leon. Hey guys. And Ray. What's up guys? And uh, guys... It's been a stacked two weeks, like I said, so what's everyone been up to, apart from Free Comic Book Day, which we'll come on to in a moment? I can barely remember. I haven't, I haven't checked my calendar, but while I'm doing that, Leon, you sounded like you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have I been up to? I mean, it's been, you know what life's like. It's like busy, but it's also a blur. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen... Uh, Avengers again which was a fun experience um, is that your second time yeah it's my yeah. second time yeah and it was it was good because it was an opportunity to you know relive some of the good moments and uh, sort of delve deeper into things I might not have liked as much the first time and I definitely think I enjoyed it more on a second watch Though, man, all my powers of concentration were used during this viewing because had some audience members not too too far away sitting from us who were the absolute worst. (laughs) (laughs) Just every type of noise they could make possible, but it was never prolonged. It was always in annoying bursts, at least for me. So... It, it, I made it through. I survived. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was really worth seeing again, and I'm looking forward to checking it out on on the next cycle around like Blu-ray release when we're a bit more removed. We've had Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I would have been able to see Black Panther again. And and uh, more things will be in the zeitgeist in terms of what types of um, what's on the horizon, basically comic-wise. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it's joined the the general pop culture zeitgeist. And uh, I mean, we've seen that already with the proliferation of. Uh, memes going out especially about the end of the film so uh, i'm interested to see uh, how deep it weaves its way into the rest of pop culture um but yeah apart from that i've been trying to get back on my uh, on my comics bullshit uh, and my tv bullshit but uh, it's comics, been tough but... comics bullshit i mean i'll accept you calling tv bullshit but... <laughs> <laughs> no my comics bullshit oh right okay uh, so I've, I've I've been delving into some older and longer stuff, but those are things I'm going to speak speak about more in depth um, on a future episode. Uh, 
But yeah, TV-wise, um, it's been a more of a catch-up of things like uh, Atlanta, um, the This Is America video that everyone is obsessed about, and um, season twos of a lot of shows that we've spoken about, Legion before, um, Handmaid's Tale has returned, um, and there's a lot of stuff on my list that, that I'm trying to trying to get to while it's uh, still fresh. But um, yeah, that that's me. Are we yeah. ever not going to be talking about irritating people at the cinema? Like, I feel like does, <laughs> a, does does AC stand for like annoying cinema goers or like aggravated cinephiles? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, we've always got some sort of complaint to make about people having bad. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. Although <laughs> I've got a positive story because I went to go see yeah. Quiet Place at the weekend. I took my <laughs> I took my underage nephew to see a fifteen film. He's thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. hopefully, hopefully that's not illegal to the point that I'm going to get arrested by putting this on on digital ink. But whatever. Um, already dogged you in. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. The police the police are already listening, man. If if I'm cool wearing Uncle a wire, is going to be on my rap sheet. Then I'm happy with it. Um, <laughs> he's he's been wanting to see it, so we went to go see a quiet place, and we we were in a in a fairly small screening that was full of teenage girls for some reason. Like it was at 5 p.m. on a Saturday night. Um, full of teenage girls. We, we walked in, we were like, oh my god, this is going to suck. And it turned out they, they were like the perfect audience. They were like quiet when they should have been quiet and then they were yelping when, you know, all the tense, bit, tense bits happened and it was it was really good. Like, it was a really good screening with a really good audience. So I was I had to swallow my um, my prejudice a little bit there. But that's a really good film as well. Um, it's one that I've been looking forward to for a long time and I can understand why Leon was... Uh, gushing about it the last time but also being very careful about not to say too much about it um but i'd highly recommend it if you like your tense thriller horrors i have... the less you know going in the better i say yes yeah. for sure i've yet to see it but i i'm hearing good things so i think it's it's one that's on my list and i need to catch it before it gets out and leaves the cinema Definitely. Yeah, it does. It does a lot of really creative things with playing with sound, which I think there was another film fairly recently that did a similar, similar thing. Um, what am I thinking of? It had the the old guy from Avatar in it. Yeah. Um, Don't breathe. It's very oh. similar in in yeah. in its presentation as that in right. the way that it plays with noise. Yeah. So if you like that, and I think you'll like this. Um, and then also, what else did I do? Uh, went home for the weekend, did a lot of gardening, which was unusual, and I feel like an old man in the sense that I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I wish I had a garden. You guys have both been to my flat, and there's no greenery anywhere that I can access in my house. So next step, I'm going to maybe get some um, windowsill plants. Get a window box or something. Yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm going to do that. But that's yeah. that's that's me being an old person, and then I brought, all my, I brought all my comics back with me as well, yeah. so I was doing the gardening and then read all my free comic book day comics, so I was sort of straddling <laughs> straddling my ages. Grow some herbs, week. man. Grow some herbs in a gar- in a in a window box. In hey, man, he's already right. breaking the law, bringing his nephew to films <laughs> that he shouldn't be going to. Taking his nephew to films that he shouldn't be seeing, growing herbs. I, can, I um, can neither confirm nor deny my willingness or want to grow any herbs. So, uh, <laughs> I was talking also, about I was talking about for cooking, but there you go. Oh yeah, me too. That's a bitch to look after. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my week. How about yep. you, Greg? Um, well, uh, it's been it's been a lot of comics. 
because coming back from free comic book day i had the huge stack of free comic book day stuff plus all my regular stuff plus all the other things i bought during free comic book day um and i've just been literally what i've been doing like for my sort of downtime my chill time is i've been hooking my phone up to the speakers downstairs and just putting on some punk playlist or other and uh there's also some instrumental stuff that i found on youtube that i've been putting on so like uh I found a couple of videos where people have stripped the vocals from Deftones songs. So I've just been listening to instrumental versions of Deftones tracks while reading comics in my living room um, where it's nice and cool. And I've just, I brought, I bring my long box downstairs and I sit there with my long box on top of the coffee table and a drink and I sit there reading comics. And that started on the Monday after free comic book day so the bank holiday monday and continued (laughs) as a way for me to sort of like wind down after work and stuff and it's really good i love doing it it's like my new favorite thing to do um it's been that um it's been catching up on netflix stuff so there was i think i was like two episodes back on riverdale and i watched both of those um and that blew my mind Am I allowed to talk about it on here? Uh, I haven't caught up, <laughs> but I can I can duck out for a minute if there's anything spoilery that you you absolutely need to get off your chest. Well, I can I can hold it in, but <laughs> you need to watch it. <laughs> I will. I will. This is I, I think we that you about. definitely need to do. Yeah, I know, especially because you guys are raving about it and you know my tastes, so I trust you wholeheartedly with it. But it's such a slog to get through, and I you know I've... I'm not a TV person to begin with, yeah. but. I do want to get to it, just based on the hype from you lot. It's interesting, the journey that I've taken with Riverdale, because it started off when it sort of like first hit, because I didn't, obviously Leon's up on TV more than I am, so Leon probably knew about it when it was just on TV, on CW or whatever. But I didn't really catch on until it hit Netflix, and being a comics Mm. fan, I was aware of the Archie comics and stuff like that, and I had um some of the archie horror stuff and i was already reading stuff like that and then this hits netflix and i'm just like what is this teen show you know like (laughs) what is this trash kind of thing when i first started watching it and now i'm absolutely addicted i can't i I, I feel like i've got the opposite graph because i was into (laughs) it from the get-go i loved season one and then i started finding season two really tedious and I think, I don't know how far back I am, but I hit a point where I was just like, I can't be arsed. They're not, like, <laughs> the, if, if, if you think of, like, um, a, a seesaw and you have the cool, sexy, pretty, attractive teenage um, drama stuff on one end and all the bullshit on the other, and it slowly started to swing where the bullshit outweighs all the good stuff. Yeah, but, um, like, season two is fire. It's like, oh, my God, how can you hate season two? It's, it's, it's like a <laughs> I, slasher I, movie. I can understand. And... Uh. I can understand because one of the differences with season one and season two is that season one aired as a mid-season replacement, so it was a Mm. uh, half-season order. So immediately season two has uh, a back nine. And because they've had certain storylines that they've dragged the whole way, 
it's really like been a slog in 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 some areas. But I think that mainly pertains to the storylines that I don't care about. <laughs> Whereas the, the the crazy, like just obscene, ridiculous stuff going on in um, on the I say less important storylines are actually like my stuff right there. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm fully fully in for that. I feel like there's enough crazy, obscene stuff that when I I watch it, I don't like the bits where maybe it does fall short slightly for you guys. Don't bother me (laughs) because there's enough, there's enough of it there, enough of the crazy, obscene stuff to just sort of keep me like engaged the whole time. Yeah. But see, without going too much into detail, I don't really care about the Black Hood stuff. Uh, I care more about whatever they have Cheryl doing from episode to episode. Like <laughs> that's my bullshit, and I, I'm here for it. Um, and there's a lot of sort of fun tropes that they're they're using that have been in other teen shows and other primetime soap dramas. And I think they're being really good at referencing that stuff. Yeah. Um, and having their own sort of spin. Because, I mean, this show, like, it, it does that thing where it has its cake and eats it, where it's like, mm. oh, isn't this thing really silly? But then we're going to do it as well as be, like, faux satire of it. And I kind of love when it just leans into that ridiculousness. Yeah, without giving too much away, there's stuff like street racing and things, which I thought was is exactly that, the having your cake and eating stuff. And I do like those moments, but... I think it's more just a me thing of sitting down and doing one thing for an hour at a time. Yeah. Which I just need to get over. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I sometimes struggle with, but for some reason I can sit and watch this and it doesn't, hmm. like, phase me at all or anything. Um, other than that, there's not been a lot else. Um, just just chilling, enjoying the nice weather, reading comics and watching Riverdale. Um so there was that one thing that we all did, which I alluded to at the start of this episode, which was free comic book day. Um, so, I mean, if any of you guys follow Ace Comicals anywhere other than the main podcast, like on any of our social media channels, uh, you will find um, videos on our Instagram of when we went to free comic book day and a uh, couple of pictures and things like that on the Twitter feed. Um, and it was a really good, really fun day out. I traveled down to London, uh, and met up with, uh, Ray and, Ray and Leon, the other two guys. And we, um, we, we just basically checked out all the comic shops in London, uh, and had a really nice weekend of it. And the weather was definitely on our side, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was a really good day trip. Yeah. Guys. So it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. And, uh, yeah, Sophie came with us too and... Um, some of our other friends turned up to party with us and it was great. Uh, What time did you set off in the morning again? Oh, like something silly, like before you should actually be awake at work (laughs) or something. I don't know. It's like, I saw an Instagram from you at like 5am and for whatever reason I was up at the time as well. So I got the (laughs) alert, Uh, but yeah, it's stupid o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Setting off from Leicester to get to London. Five something. I, I say it in the video. It's like mm. five to five to six in the morning. I think I was making that video. Sat in uh, St Mary's Bush Shelter. 
<laughs> in Leicester waiting for the National Express bus down to London. Um, watching the last dregs of the drunken horde from the Friday evening sort of like make their way home chips in hand kind of thing you know (laughs) (laughs) chips in hand (laughs) it's funny because like where that bus station is if you ever catch an early bus it's right next to a nightclub so yeah Yeah. like kicking out time for that nightclub is like five o'clock there's still people around the nightclub waiting for taxis and things like that Mm -hmm. so you're there like wide awake sober as a judge waiting for a bus surrounded by people screaming each other's names like looking for missing friends waiting for taxis and stuff and it's surreal it's always, but it's <laughs> yeah it's weird but anyway we caught the bus and uh, we got into victoria and we met you guys near gosh didn't we and gosh was the yeah. first place we hit um and while That's i was gosh at comics in soho yeah so yeah call. gosh yeah. comics yeah so while we were at gosh actually i noticed there was a poster in the window um, and they were doing a signing later on that day uh, with uh, Mike and Laura Allred, uh, who are the people responsible for Madman and uh, there's a Silver Surfer run they did and tons of other really cool stuff like Doom Patrol and things. Um, they do some great art and um, Mike does some great writing as well, Mike Allred. And these like they are like one of my favourite sort of like... They are my favorite, well, two of my favorite comic creators, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I had to go back for the signing, and I took along some Madman graphic novels to get signed, and it was a really cool experience meeting the guy. Um, we talked about tattoos, because he's got some really awesome tattoos, um, and I got a photograph with him, and uh, I got a photograph with uh, him and Laura, and it was really cool. Uh, meeting Meeting both of them was really nice, and it was like a really nice topping for the day kind of thing so after we had like all the great weather and we chilled out on the park with um some drinks and some food and then we went back and uh, got my comic signed and then that was like the high point of my day (laughs) it was great i loved it you did seem pretty jolly yeah you guys were all waiting in the queue with me and I was like having all that anxiety, like, what if I come off as too much of a nerd or some kind of like freak creeper nerd type person or something? <laughs> that was what I was worried about coming off as one of these like sweaty palm fans or whatever, but no, it was cool. I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, we, Whenever um, you meet your like people that you really like and you leave with no restraining order that's always a victory (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm not i don't ever want to be in that club and that's what i always worry about like i'm going to meet someone that i admire um be it an artist or a writer or something like that and i'm going to come off as nuts or crazy or something so it's like it's that point where you're telling yourself that they're just people so just be a person Hmm. but then like you you sort of like work that up in your head and then you'd be a person too much, if that makes sense. I guess. I think you came off really well talking yeah. to him. And they were definitely interested in you because he, he spotted your tattoos and, they, you know, he started a whole conversation about that. That was that was really cool. It was nice, yeah. It was nice to meet mm. him. It was It's nice to meet Laura Allred. And, and it was nice to nice to meet the creators of some of my favourite comics because I do love the Madman books. They're great. Um, and if there's ever something that I'm going to recommend on this podcast, it's that. 
definitely. I think I've talked about it like hundreds of times previously, but yeah, those are great books and uh, I will sing their praises until I am nailed into a coffin underground. Um, (laughs) And just to remind everybody, this is the cue for the signing, not for Supreme. The Supreme line is... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We had so many, like, there was like this huge cue for the signing and then like um, a security guard just sort of like walked down the queue and we instantly lost like five or six people in front of us because they were all queuing for a designer shop that's like just down from where gosh is in soho um and i'm told that this place is a place that opens does it open like once a week i think so i'm not that clued up on it but it's always got a queue outside and you well, what only... happens is that they have drops on certain days and there's a limited number of what particular item it is so you'll yeah. get people who will line up so they can be one of the people to get those and but i think the balance between normal people want to pick that stuff up and hype beasts is probably like 90 10 now and that is hype beasts or like hype beast curious um probably taking up all the space so they can buy that stuff and then sell it on ebay for yeah. like five yeah. times the price but it's it's also the um like it, it, the the sort of like mirror of people queuing for fashion fashion items and people queuing for comics on opposite sides of the road. <laughs> when oh, we were the standing same, like, there the, waiting, the, the queues were mingling together, which was really confusing. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't help that Supreme's queue gets split into two at some point because yeah. there's not enough space on the street for everybody to queue up for it. So they put them back towards like the chicken shop at the back of the alley. Basically, <laughs> yeah. makes you think that they're queuing up for chicken when they're not, which was really confusing the first time I wanted to go to that chicken shop. I was like, why is there such a big queue just to get fried chicken? Uh, it wasn't for that. Basically, <laughs> it was for the, it was for the like, um, I think Soho is like... Uh, london slang for q <laughs> but yeah um because like when we were walking around and we saw some of the restaurants and stuff people were queuing to get into restaurants to eat breakfast and things like that and it's like how have you got that much time on your hands like that you would queue up for breakfast why not just go somewhere else is it that good you know Everybody. well they've been told and hmm. google yeah. has said so while you're in london for a day you just gotta go there I know, but you're only in London for a day at the same time. But you're well, you know me, I hate queuing normally. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I can't, I'm not, I'm not like the biggest fan of queuing. I'd never queue for something that didn't warrant it, you know? Like, I couldn't, I don't think, uh, like I myself, like I will, I will queue for things. I queued for a signing, I've queued for like free comics, I've queued for releases of stuff and whatever else. But if I was out somewhere for a day out, and I needed to eat something, I don't think I could queue for a restaurant like that. Not like they were queuing, because that you would be standing outside waiting for ages because people are going to sit down and eat and finish their food, and then they're probably going to chill for a bit before they, they get them out and get the next table in, you know? Hmm. That, that, to me, just seems like queuing that long for... I mean, yeah, waiting for a table maybe five ten minutes max but i'd never queue like that for breakfast no or for for food in on a day out it it just sounds like you know like two like it would take like an hour to get in there to get sat down what if it's a limited edition dish there you gotta get that dish while it's still available has it got a supreme logo on it (laughs) (laughs) what if your favorite food easter like signed their name in egg 
you know, into your yeah. hash browns. And that's worth it, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. come on, to each their own. You queued up all this time to see Mike Alred, and yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that. I'm saying to each their own, but at the same time, I don't know. Anyway, um, before so in, we... in summary. Great driver, summer. loves comics, hates breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on completely, yeah. Uh, side segue. Yeah. Um, I picked up um, some limited edition clothes, really, um, like yesterday, and they arrived today. And what they were is um, Uniqlo have got that. There's a Shonen Jump 50 anniversary tie-in of Uniqlo going on. Okay. So they've released a bunch of t-shirts, um, similar to what they did last year with the Nintendo um, limited edition lines and various different designs um, of different Nintendo characters on them and yeah. IP. This time they've been doing it with Shonen Jump stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I saw a friend yesterday at, um, who had tweeted the stuff they picked up and I was like, what, what, what? What the hell? What the hell? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I weighed up, can I be bothered to go to the shop? Um, and do I want to, like, miss out just in case? So, I just went onto the website, ordered the stuff, and it came to work, um, at lunchtime today. But, um, it looks awesome. Um, they, they cover, uh, like a, a different array of, um, Shannon Jump properties. So, you've got, like, some Dragon Ball stuff in there, some One Piece stuff. Um, Kinniku Man and just a, a, a Bleach and a few few other like things that have been in that um, been in that publication over the years. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, some of the designs are cool. I mean, a few more of them are a bit more on the nose than I like. Yeah, which I think mm-hmm. the Nintendo ones were mostly good for. Yeah, um, but the ones I picked up, I was quite happy with. I picked up um, three Dragon Ball ones. Yep. Um, which were, there's a cool Vegeta one, um, and it's early Vegeta when he's still got his tail. Okay. There's, I picked up one with, uh, Goku and, uh, Freezer squaring yep. up. Yeah. And I picked up, and this is the main reason I wanted this. Main reason, Yamcha in his Yamcha hole. I was, I was just looking at that one. Oh. I'm on the website right now. It looks amazing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> is it, what, creator Yamcha? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yamcha-san. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was worth the price of admission. And then when I was on the site, also comic related, I picked yeah. up, um, there's a really cool Ant-Man one where yeah. he's, um, stood on the stick of a lollipop and it's got a cool design because it doesn't really fully draw to itself. There's no massive logo showing Ant-Man or Marvel mm. or anything. And those are the type of designs that I like, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I would definitely check it out. Cool. I completely forgot about the Marvel one. I was I meant to go into the shops and take a look, but yeah. Hopefully they still have some available. I'll I'll check online. They sound cool. I picked up one of the Nintendo ones. I got the Pikachu one last time. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like the Pikachu like uh, sprite picture one where it's like blown up and it just says um a quote I think from Pokemon Yellow when you end up with Pikachu. And then on the back, it's got Pikachu's tail. Um, but um, before we actually move on to the comics and start discussing what we actually picked up on Free Comic Book Day and elsewhere, I just want to mention one more thing about Free Comic Book Day. 
Alexa, play No No Scrubs by TLC. <laughs> <laughs> you lot went. <laughs> you lot went wild on Alexa. Like I, I thought, I was looking through her. Um, just to just to make this clear to the audience, um, Greg and a bunch of my other guests who came were thoroughly drunk and kept going up to my Alexa dot or my Amazon dot, which I'd set up to play Spotify, just you know to fill the room with something. And um, they just, it, it wasn't, for whatever reason, it wasn't working when they shouted or you just didn't like shouting at Alexa. So one by one, they kept going up and whispering into the Echo Dot, like the songs that they wanted to listen to. It was super creepy and I didn't like it. And I had to go <laughs> listen to the, I had to listen to the, um, or I went through the search history or the, you know, the query history on my app the next day. And there's some terrible stuff. You guys have got terrible minds. I don't, I don't know what you were thinking. I, mm, stuff that what, can't be shared. It's just what <laughs> the we real wanted to listen is... to. <laughs> How many sex toys ended up in um in your in your mail the next day? Twelve, Leon. Twelve. That <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a, a query in the in the the history that says twelve dildos, and I was listening to Greg when he did it, so I went into my inbox and deleted them straight away. But <laughs> there were twelve dildos for for a brief amount of time in my <laughs> checkout. <laughs> Thanks to One Greg. for each month. I suppose, yeah. I mean, there was no variation, so, you know, that doesn't really help. Unless you um, wear them out once a month. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. At least we didn't check out, you know. <laughs> Alexa, one click. <laughs> I'm wearing headphones, guys. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but someone's going to listen back to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Yeah, so that was free comic book day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> comics and dildos. <laughs> well, just comics and then getting drunk and just playing games with Alexa. But yeah, very briefly, just to say we because we went to Gosh, we went to Orbital in Leicester Square, and we went to Forbidden Planet, and all three were top notch. Like they had really cool staff, they had a really cool arrangement of you know things to see and do for free comic book day. Handed out all the nice comics. The kids were loving it. It seems so. You know, overall a really good event. Yeah, there were a few people in cosplay, um, not just the staff, um, who were really good at Orbital, but also there were like kids in cosplay, parent and kid cosplay, just teens and millennials in cosplay. And it, it was nice people just like embracing their love. And one of my favorite things about Free Comic Book Day is not just that it gets people out and in, into comic book shops and is good for the businesses. But also it gets to be this sort of almost soft celebration because it's not really a big event like um, like a Comic-Con or something where everybody's huddled in one place. So instead you just, you're just walking around central London and you're seeing like the Avengers or the London Avengers <laughs> walking about mm-hmm. the streets with like bento boxes and stuff <laughs> whilst they're getting their lunch. And it's nice to see. And especially when you... You walk by people and you say, oh, they've got an orbital bag or that person's got a forbidden planet, planet bag, that person's got a gosh bag and, and, and so on, so on. It's, it's this cool sort of, uh, unspoken camaraderie that you, sh- yeah. that you share across. It's wordlessly. Got this, it's got this kind of fringe festival thing about it. Yeah, yeah. Like if there was a con going on at the same time, this is like the sort of the fringe, the fringe con kind of thing. It was nice. It was cool. I enjoyed it and it's night nice. it's yeah it's a it's a cool day out and uh I think I want to make it a thing now London every time for free comic book day 
Plus, we should we should shout out your guardian angel in Forbidden Planet, who was finding comics that you couldn't find for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Com- comic finder guy, the librarian, as I'm now going to refer to. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I, I, I was looking for um, a copy of Snagglepuss, um, and uh, he, the latest issue of Snagglepuss, and I couldn't find it anywhere because Forbidden Planet London, for me, it's confusing because it's really big and. The comic store in my my city is very small and I know where everything is and I was all disorientated and whatever and he managed to find it on the shelf for me and gave it to me, which was really cool of him. He's like, oh, you're looking for this one? Just sort of like overheard me like saying I can't find it to the guys and then he just sort of like passed it to me. I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. So, yeah, um, he was cool. He saved <laughs> my life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that Thank was you, Ace Comical's payback. Um, yeah karma that Rahul put in the air last year when he helped out that kid who was looking for um, one of the comics he couldn't get his hands on. Oh yeah, because I had three copies of Rick and Morty and they wanted them, so I gave a, gave a couple away. Yeah. But that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. It's what it's all about, making sure that, you know, everyone's looked after and everyone gets what they wanted out of the day and that it's fun for everyone, it's fun for, ev- fun for all of us. So, on to the comics. Um, the first one on my list is one that I actually picked up on Free Comic Book Day, and this is a book called Relay. Now, the main reason I was excited about this book was the fact that it had Donny Kate's name on it, and that it was published on Aftershock uh, Comics, which are the same people that are responsible for Cold War, which is the other book that I enjoy. Um... And yeah, they say the excitement came from seeing Donny Cates' name attached to it and the fact that he is on uh, sort of like joint writing duties, I think. Um, so this story, just to sort of like give you an idea of what it is, it sort of like oozes cult psychedelic sci-fi. It's like 2001 Space Odyssey and Zardoz type stuff, kind of like in a a swirl like sort of like you know like like that 70s psychedelic sci-fi sort of movies that you get that you may have watched like that sort of genre um and the cover of this book um this is relay zero by the way so this is the zero issue the first issue comes out uh in july i believe um the cover of this book is what appear to be two black doors either side of an opening into space and there's a craft with the light kind of reflecting off it and shining, which is kind of like a uh, a theme throughout the art in this book, actually, that they, they do some really cool things with light. Um, the artwork on a whole it is beautiful and it's high detail and it's done... It's dense with lines, but only fine lines there's some wonderful work with light as i've just mentioned and and the way that it's been colored and captured um so like they 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 do things where like when the sun's rising you'll get like you know like the uh the flare or the reflection of light oh the uh god rays god ray well god rays or flare like when you add flare to something to a photograph or something like that um and it, the bright lights actually feel bright. And, and like, if I'm staring at the page, they feel like, you know, it kind of makes me squint when I'm looking at the page, even though there's no actual light coming off it. 
Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book for starters. And there's some really good points in panels where they give you an idea of the vastness of the space and the, um, the sort of emptiness of the world that our, I want to call him protagonist, but he's not really our guy, I guess, has landed on. Um, and yeah, it's interesting characters and world designs and things seem very otherworldly and removed from our experience. So this is what makes it psychedelic in a way, because it's so, it's so out there and so removed from anything that is in our current experience as, um, as in like aesthetically, um, it's not really, um, how do I put this? It's not hard sci-fi, um, and it's not, uh, it's not mechanical or, or organic. It's just like, um, almost both. Like, um, the, the, when the guy lands, the craft that he lands in to kind of like spread knowledge on this planet, it, it's like a, a seed and it looks like it's made of stone, but then it seems very fleshy when he gets out of it. Hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just this odd combination. And when he gets out, he pulls something out of his um, navel, like a tube. Like he's joined to it with an umbilical cord, this craft that he was traveling in. And it's really weird, uh, but really cool at the same time. And there's some cool scenes where um, they actually, um, like I, I men- keep mentioning the word psychedelic, but there's a point where they actually use drugs in the story and there's some cool panels and some cool things they do with the drug trip. Um, so I'll give you a synopsis, uh, from the actual website. So we've got the writer, Zach Thompson, uh, artist, Andy Clark, uh, Donny Cates is also, um, helped with the story. So him and Zach Thompson wrote the story. Uh, we've got colorist Dan Brown and the regular cover artist is Andy Clark. So the main artist for the book, um, A perfect future of intergalactic travel and community. Every newly discovered planet is unified culturally through a monolithic structure known as the Galaxy Relay. Although the towering monument is meant to inspire conformity of ideas, technology and progress, many resent the foreign structure. Jad Carter, a Relay employee, must keep the peace and act as an emissary to new uh, civilizations even. But when he finds the Relay's mythological creator, Hank Donaldson, his idea of reality and the universe shatters. Equal parts Fifth Element and Philip K. Dick. Um, Relay is an exploration of monoculture, identity and the deceptive nature of legend set in a thriving future where humanity forcibly assimilates new worlds. And that is a um, the sort of like a, a official synopsis or blurb, if you like, from the Aftershock website. Uh, which kind of describes it pretty well and better than I could. So that's why I've chosen to use that one. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a great story and it set me up for wanting more, definitely. And uh, there's a lot in there to um, to love about this book. Uh, did you guys actually get manage to pick this one up? I don't think so. I think oh, I've got right. a copy, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, you, you should read it. It's great. Um is some actually quite obvious nods to 2001 in there with the structure of the um the mo- the mon- the galactic relay basically is basically it's this big black monolith. <laughs> yeah, 
Because yeah. as you were talking about it, I was getting some 2001 shades. But also the way you spoke about the spacecraft um, made me recall the future space scenes from The Fountain, which are not exactly what you described, but are that different type of futuristic sci-fi where it's not mechanical and it's not really biomechanical, but instead it's this more, this weird sort of naturey, yeah, futurist, futuristic type thing. And it's it's good to see, it's the way this plays out as well. Like the guy that lands on the planet, you think he's he's coming with a message of progress, and you think he's coming with a message of peace, but as you'll soon learn, you know he, he's not as I want to say benevolent but i don't think that's the correct word um basically he's it's not what it seems and it's almost as if um it's less about choice and more about force which is what the aftershock synopsis gets across and it's 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 um it's a cool book and it's going to be a cool series and a cool thing to read and think about i think when when it finally when we get issue one um I believe we are due issue one on, uh, well, it says July 2018 here on the Aftershock website. Um, so, yeah, sometime in July, look out for relay number one. Um, and I think it's on to Ray for another one from the free comic book day list. Indeed. Yeah, I was going to talk about something that I picked up called Crush. Um Again, like I often do, I just picked it up because I like the art style on the cover. It's very cute, very, like, chibi-ish. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's very cute, but also it reminds me a little bit of Giant Days. I don't know if I've talked about that in the past. Um, just cartoony loveliness. Um, and it's about, basically, it's about this guy called Jorge Ruiz. And we see him, he's, um, it's set in, I think, what would be high school, so our secondary school. Um, I, I guess they're around 14 or 15 years old, these kids. So it's, it starts off with him um, in a school bus, just observing all the kids around him all on their phones and joking about on the school bus. And he's a lot bigger than the rest of them. And so throughout this whole comic, it's about him being slightly out of place, but also because he's the big guy, nobody fully understands who he is. Um, they find him a bit intimidating and a little bit scary, but he's actually, you know, got a heart of gold and he tends to stick up for the ones who are being bullied. You know, he's... Um, He's called the sheriff by a couple of other characters at some point in the book. And it's about him and his relationship with this girl called Jasmine Duong. And as the title implies, it's all about all about this crush that he has on her that he doesn't fully understand. And this is issue one of however many it's going to be. So it's the, the beginnings of, of that relationship. Um, but it's 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 this cool comic because it's, um, it's kind of like idealized secondary school or high school or whatever, where everyone's perfect and everyone's like this perfect archetype but is generally quite nice in a way that i certainly didn't experience when i was in secondary school so in a, in a way it's like really lovely to see all these you know like wonderful positive happy fun um just you know not as depressed as me and my friends were when we were this age like seeing this in a comic is both really sweet and also kind of infuriating at the same time because like why wasn't my life like this at this age um i think uh... I was going to mm. say to you, I think different places in the world, school experience is very different. I think in Western culture, um, the way we experience 
school, high school especially, mm. in the UK and the US, um, is fairly different to the rest of the world. I think I think we have it's more it's cliquier and there's more bullying and everything else. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think this is the impression that I get anyway. Possibly. I mean, I was just trying to express my frustration at how like wonderfully idealized the characters in this school are yeah Um, because they're always like looking out for each other and they always seem to be getting along really well and it's kind of nice and it's i think the point of this is going to be like the minutiae of crush politics because we've got obviously jorge and his the beginnings of his crush with jasmine um but then it's also like we see two of his friends who are like the bickering non-couple where they, they, it's clear that they kind of like each other because they're always like hanging about and being slightly mean to each other. But the girl actually has a boyfriend, and the uh, you know the bestie guy friend that she has kind of like projects not being able to deal with it by pretending to be sickened by it, or maybe he actually is. But like you know all these little things that you notice when you you have these interactions when you're growing up, and it's kind of nice. Like it's kind of filled with all these different types of interactions. Um, and like I really like the artwork. Uh, the one thing I noticed about this, which I don't know if I've picked up on before in any other comics, but like there's a lot of white space. There's not a lot of detail in the backgrounds. There's like lots and lots of panels where it's literally just the characters and the text boxes and a white background. And it's kind of refreshing because it means that if, if this is going to be a book that's all about the minutiae of relationships between these kids... It does really focus on the characters. It focuses on just the way they're standing and the way they hold themselves in front of each other and the way they look and the things they say. And it's it's kind of nice. It draws all the attention and the focus onto them. Um, I really like it. I think I will. I think I'll pick up on the next one. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. And it's just it's just adorable. And I like these kind of adorable, cute books. So that's Crush. It's by um, I didn't mention who it's by Svetlana Shmakova, I believe. Um, and I think she's both the writer and the artist on it. Colouring assistant, uh, Melissa McCommon, and lettering by Juyon Lee. And yeah, so issue number one was uh, given away as Free Comic Book Day. It's also, the she's the creator of uh, comics called Awkward and Brave, which look similar in their presentation, in their cuteness. So if that floats your boat, then check those out as well. Cool. Um... So on from there, we move on to uh, Berlin, which is one that we got on Free Comic Book Day, another one. But this one actually, um, this is like a reprint of something that's already been published. So, uh, Leon, do you want to charge away on this one? Yeah, so Berlin is... um, well, this issue that came out on Free Content Day is a reprint of the first issue that was part of the first volume, which are referred to as books. Um, and this is the first um, book, which is Berlin, City of Stones. Um, so it's um, drawn and um, like illustrated by Jason Lutz. And I believe he originally started on these in like the mid nineties. It was like ninety six, but then yeah. they were republished his trades in two thousand. Well, this particular book. Yeah. It's... But yeah, this is um, like I, I believe the backstory of this is that it was planned as to be like twenty four magazines, but then reduced to twenty two. Mm. And 
Bear in mind this started in 96. 22 has not even come out yet. It's scheduled to come out uh, in the autumn of this year. So this has been a labour of love for, for this guy. It has. And it's the amount of meticulous research that he does and everything. Yeah. Else. So Jason Lutz is, as Leon mentioned, is like a, a bit of a one man band on this thing. He's written it and he's, he's illustrated it. And, um, he's done such meticulous research and he's planned this out and it has been 20 years in the making and it will be finished this September, uh, which is when the final third volume comes out as paperback and they're doing a hardback edition of all of it which upon reading the free comic book day uh first issue i plan to pick up <laughs> yeah definitely because um i mean i'll give some backstory so this first book i mean the whole series is about berlin in the run-up to world war Two. Um, and this first book is more focused on the uh, Berlin in starts off in September 1928. And we start with uh, Martha Muller, who's an art student. Uh, and she's on a train and she meets uh, this journalist called uh, Kurt Severing. Um, and in this first issue, they spend some time talking and offers to help her out and show her around when they get to um, get to the city. And you, you get, you get the seeds of like a friendship or a relationship um, just in these interactions here. Um, because you have this device where you have them speaking and then you have, sort of uh, voiceover or for bubble from the future sort of written as like a diary entry. And I think it's really effective here just in these 24 pages in sort of describing uh, or, or more so displaying what, um, what the decline of the Weimar Republic was like at this time. Um, and like all the differences in between how people have interacted with the city because, uh, Kurt mentions how it's from someone who's from a smaller city uh, or town, Berlin might be overwhelming to them. And when they first get off the train and arrive there, uh, Martha is sort of taken aback when she sees a, a, a beggar who was a veteran and she remarks that where she's from um, veterans are looked after um, and Kurt remarks that how how odd science is that for the first time in history we're able to do the most damage in a small amount of time to so many people but at the same time we now have the ability to save people who are once would have just been corpses. Mm. So you're early on already getting um, the sort of beginnings of this friendship relationship and how these two people are going to bounce off each other. Even from the fact that when they're first on the train, 
the two of them um they're sitting they're sharing a carriage and um the uh the journalist had left the original carriage he was in because he didn't enjoy the company there he didn't agree with the people in there and he went into this one and uh you kind of get the idea that there's already this divide between the um the 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 sort of encroaching fascist fist if you like and the uh the sort of the the, the liberal side of berlin the the arts the culture what berlin was before it became a fascist stronghold basically during the time mm. of the the nazis um and you get that feeling when they're sitting on the train and he remarks about the brown shirt sat opposite him in the carriage asleep yeah 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 you already kind of get that feeling of the chemistry there when he starts uh, thumbing through her sketchbook and things like that. Um, and yeah, it, it's um, the artwork in it is really, really, really beautiful. It's uh, oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, it, it's lines, but it's it's very bold, very clean lines. Um, there's not too much detail going on, which I think works to its strength because it's detailed where it needs to be. Yeah, I think yeah. I would say I can understand what you're saying. I think the detail there's definitely detail in the um architecture and the 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 backgrounds, I would say. Mm. Yeah. But then that uh, I I would say like yeah, the people are because there's no shading really on the people. Um it's sort of not flat, but um it's very line dependent. And it's, it has it gives everybody these lines in their faces that really sort of bring out their personality. Yeah, definitely. And and like even when it, it sort of like intersects to um, other characters, uh, and you just kind of like get snippets of what their day's going like and things like that, where it shows you the signalman controlling the road, <laughs> and he's like he's thinking about what he's going to get for lunch. And uh, he's remarking about the, the people driving and things like that and how, you know, he's, uh, he, he's, okay, I guess this is like, this is his job and he, this is how, like his thought process when he's controlling the traffic and things like that. Feels yes. powerless, but also powerful at the same time. Yeah. It's like sort of his coping mechanism to keep himself sane. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's constantly like in between each thought, it's constantly like, am I going to get an apple today or am I going to get potatoes or am I going to get? And um, one of the things I picked up on that was it's 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 a bit of comedy in there, actually, because he's like he's praying for something to help him go to the toilet, basically, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of funny. But yeah, um, it's it's a it's like a really nice setup um, and it's a really nice exploration of that time period yeah from from this first issue um and i really want this hardback when it drops really do um, even the way that the um the speech bubbles and the text in them are done mm. where all the lettering is like normal it's not all capitals yeah it's it's normal and then all the sort of diary entry voiceover is done cursive yeah um to really instantly give you the visual difference about what 
when this particular thing is being said. Yeah. And I think it's really effective. Yeah. So um, it's uh, the the short way of describing this book is that it is uh, it looks through ordinary people's eyes to observe the transformation of the German city of Berlin from a liberal metropolis into a fascist stronghold. And um, it's it's a really really. I think it's quite quite an important piece of work, and it's a, it's a quite a beautiful piece of work when you look at the artwork in it and everything else. And uh, yeah, it's it's something to look forward to. And uh, in September is when they're going to release the deluxe hardcover and the final paperback for the trilogy. Uh, and uh, yeah, deluxe hardbacks going on my shopping list because this is something that I feel like I need to own. <laughs> and that's uh, um, released by Drawn and Quarterly. Yes. So. Yeah, I was um, going to say I I really like some of the offerings that Drawn and Quarterly have. I think we talked about it last year with the other free comic book episode we did. Mm. Um, and I was thinking, I think there was something I was looking forward to called uh, Baking with Kafka, which is now out. And they do okay. they do a lot of these sort of um, sort of weighty but also kind of comic, like in in the the comedy sense. Yeah, um, those kind of works where they blend that thing and, like you said, if it, it feels quite important, I think they have that kind of slightly more literary aspiration Mm. Uh, i think they do some really good stuff yeah yeah um and uh just to make you all aware as well jason lutz is also um responsible for a comic uh or a once weekly comic strip called jar of fools um which is the story of a tormented magician named ernie vice um believed based on harry houdini uh and his brother howard and um it's it's this guy's story and how he struggles to get himself back on track and find himself uh, through the guidance of um, another magician called Al Flosso. And it, yeah, it's another cool one to pick up, I think, um, if you if you like your Harry Houdini stuff and things like that. So, yeah, uh, Jar of Fools, that's called. Um... Moving on from there is one that I read that I picked up. It's a new book, um, and this was released on Image. And it is a book called Death or Glory. Now, this one, um, I'm going to go straight in uh, again with the description from the Image website. So, uh, meet Glory, raised off the grid in a convoy amid truckers. The last men and women fighting for true freedom on the American open road. Now, in order to pay for her beloved dying father's surgery, Glory has three days to pull off four dangerous cross-country heists with mob killers, crooked cops, and a psycho ex-husband, all out to bring her in or die trying. Uh, This new ongoing series by New York Times bestseller author uh, Rick Remender and legendary French superstar Ben Gaul brings you a high-speed chase across the American West that examines our dwindling freedoms and the price paid by those who fight for an untethered life. This is a special double-sized first issue with 40 pages of story. So yeah, issue one was 40 pages, uh, a bit chunky. Um, And it's a really cool read with some really cool artwork. Um, It's high-octane. It's adrenaline. I loved it. Um... 
the uh, yeah writing is by uh, Rick Remender. You've got the artist and cover artist Bengal, and there's uh, variant covers by Duncan Fregredo and James Harron. And I've got one of the variant covers. So the cover I have is the uh, Fregredo cover, and it has Glory sort of standing, um, as if you're looking up at her from the ground, about to be executed, and she's got this kind of like snarl on her face. She's holding the gun down, and you can see up the barrel into the sky with the sun shining. And uh, coming from the barrel of the gun, you've got all these like miniature cop cars sort of like falling and crumbling and police falling out of the cars and things like that. So already you get the idea of this like this kind of like high octane motor chase story that this thing is. So the art inside the book, it aims for realism, but it maintains an edge of cartoon abstraction uh, to its depiction of the world um, it, and it strikes a really cool balance with this because it's not too far in either direction so it's just far enough that it has the uh, the expression um, and is able to get a co- convey emotion and things like that easily but it's also um, to the point where sometimes you don't to the point where you don't even need speech bubbles there's some really good silent sections in this but um, it also has the realism where it needs it um, and it's conservative with detail where it needs to be, but also uh, detailed enough and exaggerated enough in places to complement the script and elements of the action that happened during the book. Um, there's some great work here with facial expressions. Now, you'll hear me talk a lot on this podcast about facial expressions. I love facial expressions in comics, especially when they're done really well and uh, to a point where they make me laugh or I'm able to see what that person's feeling without having to read their thoughts if you catch Mm, my drift like there's no need for a thought bubble or anything like that above it um and especially toward the end of the book actually is one of my favorite parts so there's a great sequence of panels um near the end and we see sort of like glory's face just sort of drop through several panels and it's brilliant um and uh it's there's a there's a really nice um double page spread um towards the middle of the book where we've got like this beautiful scene where she's like stepping out of the garage and um it's just yeah it works nicely because it's a double page spread and she's looking out and out of the garage door you've just got like an expanse and a a, a bit of a horizon and things like that um you can um yeah, it, it, like with the horizon and things like that, with the way they do this, is some great colour work. So it's warm versus cold. And uh, there's a brilliant set of silent pages that I, I mentioned before that are framed in cold turns, terms, uh, cold tones even, sorry, which are, it's like the start of, it's like because she's going on, she's about to do these heists and she's preparing for it. And it's her coming to terms with what she has to do. And it's all framed in cold tones and it's in the bathroom. And I won't spoil it too much, but it's great how it plays out across these silent panels. Uh, and again, it, it's in expression and it's in the character's actions rather than in the words. And it's just beautiful. Um, and there's the, the panels in this book are borderless as well, which is another nice touch. And so are the speech bubbles. Now, I'm seeing this in quite a few places now where you've got sort of like borderless panels and, and bubbles. And it because there's no hard line there, it doesn't... Um, it, it feels like it's all... I mean, obviously, comics feel 
homogenous. They feel like one piece when you're reading it and looking at it. But when you look at a, a, a piece of art like this and there's no hard lines on it, um, there's something about that that just makes it even more complete and come together even better and stitches it together a bit more neatly, you know? Um, because it's everything just kind of just feels like it's all one and it's not separate elements placed together. It feels like it is one single element. Um, well, in, in more of a sense than it would if there were borders there. And yeah, all in all, this is just, just a really great book. And I don't think I actually have a negative thing to say about this. This is something that I, this is one of the, one of those books where I can unashamedly love it. And, and, you know, like be, be outright, you know, yeah, this is great. And I want more and I love the story and it's high octane, high action. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't have a, a single criticism for that book <laughs> and I want you two to pick it up and read it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. So that is Death or Glory and that's on Image Comics. And that was May 2nd, 2018. So that was first week of May. So that one's worth checking out. So go pick it up. And that brings us on to you again, Ray, for Dayglow A-Hole. Dayglow A-Hole. And I've been racking my brains trying to think about how to present this one because I'm looking through my notes that I scribbled down while I was reading it and, you know, I... I've given it a couple of reads, and I have written down some gibberish. Like, it feels like rereading it back to myself, it feels like I wrote it half asleep. And that may be true. I don't think it's true. <laughs> so I, I'm, I don't really know where to begin. So, okay, Dayglow A-Hole. It's by Ben Passmore, who's the dude we've talked about in the past. Um, he wrote a comic uh, that Leon presented called Your Black Friend, um, which, you know, we've all sung the praises of. So this one, it's post-apocalyptic um and the tagline that i found from ben passmore's website is the world has ended and we're all still a bunch of jerks which i think is a really succinct way of describing this comic it's really colorful in like this really 90s neon vomit sort of way but imagine if like all the the gack and um gross stuff from you know 90s neon vibrancy had been left to rot for the last 30 years and then it still maintains all those colors but is all like dulled and gross and like covered in muck at the same time that's what this comic feels like it feels like this grungy colorful post-apocalyptic environment and we're basically covering or we're basically following two different people a guy called no limits who um as the website describes him a battle hardened train hopper and the second guy who we cover which i would I was struggling to understand who he was while I was reading it, and then I've since discovered that it's meant to be Ben Passmore um, running around in his underwear and <laughs> just a, like a long trench coat. Um, and it's basically him dealing with the post-apocalyptic scenario, trying to survive, and dealing with his porn addiction because it prevents him from being able to connect with people. And that's that's it in a nutshell. It's just... It, and I say, I don't want to use the word just because that doesn't that limits it it's but that seems to be what it's going for it's giving ben passmore himself an opportunity to uh, like enact out all this this nihilism and the cynicism but then also have an outlet for his you know like it's immature and then 
he can follow up with a treatise on feminism and capitalism and porn addiction um, just through the lens of this really bizarre and sickening world that he's constructed. Like I'm trying to look through my notes. Uh, it's it's super irreverent. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that he's saying is really interesting. And the politics of what he's talking about is stuff that really interests me. But it's it's like staggered and shuffled in between some really immature and disgusting stuff, which is really entertaining. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like it's really funny and really good and really violent. Um, but like with Ben Passmore, isn't like through his previous work and things like that, isn't he kind of like his thing is his punk sensibilities? In the exactly. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. I would say punk is a very good way to describe this. Um, like I'm trying to find a way to describe the artwork as well. It's, like I've, so I mentioned how how it's all coloured and that runs through the entire thing. Like everything's tinged in this in this strange muddied green and purple and yellow like desert, like psychedelic desert environment. Um, and it's everything's written in like his his scribbled handwriting. Sorry, you were going to say, Greg? I was going to say, is everything supposed to be irradiated? It feels that way. Yeah, it definitely feels that. That's what I was trying to get at with the you know the neon gone wrong thing which i really like i really dig it um and the the like the panel construction is really interesting because it's very structured in that almost every panel is a square or a rectangle but then the arrangement of them all is very scattershot so you can have a page made full of squares that all um you know fill up all the space entirely but they have like um you, you have a top row full of very tiny squares which flash between different scenarios and then you have a big rectangle followed by three smaller ones like it's a very interesting frenetic vibe and then it's when when the action ramps up it suddenly throws all these lines and curves and you know mm. the, the the panels start encroaching upon each other and then you have like circles in, uh, like coming in when he's mm. doing an, an aside glance and it, it does this thing where um Every so often, he'll like turn to the camera, you know, to, to the audience, and break the fourth wall. But he'll acknowledge it, and you're never quite sure if he's actually addressing us or if his character within the comic um, is has some level of psychosis where he thinks he's talking to us, but he isn't really. Like it's really interesting because he clearly is talking to us as the author. He's talking to us and he's trying to get his um, his expressions across. But then he like he dismisses it in universe because nobody's really listening to this guy it's so interesting and i'm like it's so dense and i i feel like i, I even though i've been talking for a few minutes i still i feel like i still don't know where to begin and i really want you guys to check it out because <laughs> especially you greg i think it'll appeal to your particular like anger at the world i think he shares a lot of that with you yeah and i think you'll you'll be doing like a mini fist pump on every other page yeah <laughs> um it does it does sound very much like my sort of thing and when you showed me the cover and everything else it was like yeah that i need this i do need to pick it up i just keep forgetting to pick it up you know <laughs> well yeah, there's, there's always time <laughs> and i'm sure you'll be able to find it or you can order it online but yeah i'd i would highly recommend this one and i hope i've done it justice um i feel like i think i'd like you guys to have a look and maybe help talk me through the things that I've missed in here because there's just a lot going on and it's it's just bonkers and I really like it yeah but I don't know why <laughs> so yeah that that is something I want to check out so that's mm -hmm. uh Dayglow A-hole which um I like the name actually I was just sort of like musing on it before the show 
thinking what Dayglo a-hole could mean and i'm thinking he's describing the world as an a an asshole which <laughs> the world sometimes is and since the the apocalypse or whatever it's now Dayglo because it's irradiated so Dayglo a-hole and that that appealed to me <laughs> I, I think you're on to something there. Yeah. I think that's a, like 100% correct. That's exactly what he's trying to express. Yeah. So um, that's Dayglo A-Hole. On from there, we move on to something we've... I just want to mention briefly because we've talked about it previously on the show and um, we've mentioned before um, this book and it was one that I think uh, we had picked out from the list of things to look forward to right yep um and i think it was anyway um and it's called hungry ghosts um and Mm -hmm. uh we've now had hungry ghosts issue four so that makes it a complete series and what a bang this one went out with that's the main reason i want to talk about it because wow um final issue probably the best one of the four um and uh my sort of like not so well hidden main reason for talking about it as well is the fact that it's got one of my favorite artists on it uh francesco francavilla who is the man uh you may know from afterlife with archie uh and uh yeah he's he does some fantastic artwork and he's one of my favorite comic artists right about now for the way that he draws and the way that he illustrates things um and with this one, so it's uh it, it's a really great exploration of horror um and like different stories will be will be scary for different reasons, and all of them are connected by food. Uh, so that was the whole the whole gist of this thing was it was like an anthology of horror stories, all of them connected by a a, a theme: food and hunger, and greed and behavior revolving around that kind of you know, um, the shortcomings of man basically. And yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't know. Can I talk about this without spoiling it too much for you guys? Because I know you're probably going to want to read it. Um, but yeah, there's some beautiful artwork, especially in the Francavilla tale, and uh, it's it's one worth picking up. So um, maybe wait for it to be collected and get all of it together because it is great. It's a great little series, um, and I just I just wanted to get it in there because it had finished and Francavilla worked on it. And if anything, it's worth it just for that story. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, because it's it's Francavilla and then also Irene Coe, who I think yeah. did um, a bunch of the Legend of Korra comics and. Like she has, she always does some really cool, sometimes a little bit risque uh, artwork on Twitter. So I, I follow her on that. She's, she's very cool. Yeah. If you want a full list of uh, credits, it's uh, writer Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose. Uh, we've got artist Frank uh, Francesco Francavilla and Irene Coe, as we've just mentioned. We've got colorist um, Jose Villarubia and uh, editor Karen Berger, because obviously this is her imprint, Berger Books. Um, and the cover artist is Paul Pope, and he's done us a. Um, Yuki Honor on the cover of this one. Um, and uh, the Yuki Honor is the subject of the first story in the book. So, yeah, definitely, definitely worth picking that one up. And, uh, I, well, actually, wait for it to be collected into a trade and grab all four together because 
it'll be one that would be worth having on your bookshelf. That was Hungry Ghosts. Um, Leon, back round to you. Yes, um, I'm going to speak about Strangers in Paradise 25. Uh, Written and drawn by Terry Moore, um, out on his... uh, um, self-published on Abstract Studio, which he uh, which he runs, um, and has come out this year. So this is a reprint of the first issue from earlier in the year. I believe it was out in January. And what it does, it's, it's called tw- uh, Strangers in Paradise 25 because it's the 25th anniversary of the series starting. So, to go back, Strangers in Paradise uh, is a property that I'd been aware of, but only really because I'd heard the name and I'd heard of Terry Moore, but I'd never really checked it out. Um, And after reading this, I wanted to dig in because as we're currently on television anyway we're in quite a big revival period where we're getting a lot of sort of old shows that finished are coming back so had a couple like Gilmore Girls and uh, Roseanne uh, uh, Twin Peaks uh, and and a bunch of other shows have come back after being off the air for a while and this is a, a similar type of scenario where this I mean, where do I start? Reading up on this, this series is wild. It's so wild. So it started off as like a sort of slice of life um, and like love triangle type um, story with um, two lead characters, or three lead characters. You had uh, Kachu, who is um, one of... the blonde um, of the two girls. Um, you have Francine, who was sort of the brunette of the two girls. And then you had David, and you had this sort of odd sort of relationship that they had, and the different people would come in. It all sounded very soap opera. Um, so that was volume one. And then in volume two, uh, so volume one is 13 issues. And in, um, in volume two, uh, Terry Moore decides, I'm going to make this even wilder and adds in like this crazy, like crime plot. So then what you have, so Kachu used to be what they refer to as a Parker girl. Um, it was led by this character called Darcy Parker and yeah, there was like a crime organization which infiltrated all these different branches of society. Um, while also maintaining that sort of slice of life element. So it, it sounds like something that I want to go back and check out and the collection of the first half of volume two won an Eisner back in 96. But um, yeah, with, with this actual book, which is comes out ten years after the 
actual series ended in 2008. Starting off the cover, because we need to talk about covers more. And I always forget, but with this cover, uh, you have this new character, I believe, to the, to the series called Ivy. And she's standing, she's a blonde with wearing a headband on a winter coat. She's standing on a subway station platform. And there's all sorts of people, like kids, adults, uh, people looks like on the way to work or whatever. And they're all doing their thing, getting on um, a, a train that's just got on the platform. But everybody apart from her is wearing, like, uh, a mask over their face. Not really a mask. It's just, like, a bit of material tied over. So they're all sort of blinded. And I assume it's some sort of heavy-handed metaphor on the fact that nobody's seeing what's really going on in the background. And they're just going about their day and... They don't know what happens under the surface, but it's quite quite a cool, quite a cool um, sort of introduction into it, really, because yeah, the beginning starts with this guy who we later find out is attached to one of the main characters. Uh, his phone gets stolen uh, by these kids, and he chases after them, and they're they're doing this thing where they will throw the phone to another person and then these people split up and then it happens again. And uh, he sees a a girl get the phone. She rips out the SIM card, drops the phone on the floor, disappears. And then he mentions to his girlfriend who he sees doing like uh, yoga or cooling down. And he says he's going to be late um, because some girl stole his uh, SIM card. And then his, his girlfriend, who I believe is called, it's called Laura Higgs, and she's um, she's an aide to a general. But yeah, his girlfriend, she's like gets really intense when she's like, where he's like, describe the person who stole your phone, and he's like, he's basically saying, well, does it matter? But she's like really belligerent, describe this person. And she, she just, he describes the person and she, she just ends the call. And if you've seen John Wick, where he under concrete, he has a bunch of weapons. It's kind of that scenario where she sort of has a bug out bag and just makes a mad dash for it. So then Later on, we, we get reintroduced. Oh, yeah, this this whole time, this character who broke the phone, who I uh, believe is called Ivy, she's basically, it seems like she's stalking this, this, uh, this Higgs character. And then what happens midway through the book, I, we get reintroduced, well, for me, first time introduced, but reintroduced to the characters who are the leads of the comic, of the, sorry, the original Strangers in Paradise run. And spoilers for myself and uh, all of you who have not read the original run, uh, two of the main characters are living together, and I guess that's how they settled the love triangle. But what happens is that a conversation happens between one of the people who was also a Parker girl with one of the lead characters, Kachu. And they start talking about um, when the collider exploded and 
it seems like in the not too distant past, there's a Large Hadron Collider under Alaska, which they refer to as the Alaska Collider, and it, there was a disaster that happened where it ex- exploded. And this is where this book starts to get like, okay, this isn't some, this isn't just a, a random little thing going on. This is big, and there's people on all different types of society all, going all the way to the top. Uh, so the, you get a conspiracy which is laid out, and then we find out that Laura Higgs isn't who she says she is, and Ivy is actually in, in connection with the, the the lead characters, and we start to go down this spiral. And I gotta say, what I really like with this and related to Berlin is that these are essentially well, this is the new version, but these are essentially two comic books that found their feet and began in the 90s, done by uh, one dude and featuring uh, just pencils with no, with no um, extra colour. Sorry, well, pencils and ink, but but no colour. They're black and white. And they've, I know, there's something about it where it sort of transports me back to some of the old comics I would pick up when I was a kid in the 90s that were, I think a lot of them were Dark Horse, but yeah, they weren't DC or Marvel. And I always used to find them like really, um, it was like seeing the next stage because I read a lot of Batman and Spider-Man and Justice League. and But then seeing, seeing books about adult things, um, Social commentary in a comic, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. It I remember started that to, <laughs> yeah, blow my mind because this yeah. was at the time the comics were in that the Marvel and DC were in that extreme phase. Where you had extreme, extreme, Lobo, Spawn, blah blah. Um, okay, well, yeah, Dark Horse as well. But then there were certain issues where you're just like, "What is this? What is this? This is no one else knows what this thing is, but it's it's so." different and and stylistic and this sort of does bring me back to those days of like being in the library and just finding this odd book and reading into it um but like what from what i can tell with this strangers in paradise 25 is that i think it's terry moore's dark tower in a way because it sounds like he's folding in characters from his other works, um, which are uh, Echo, Rachel Rising, Motor Girl, and I believe those characters are going to show up in this story. So I think as well as it being the 25th anniversary of this book, I think he's using it as an, as a, a chance to not only revisit these characters in 2018, and what they'd be doing and how they'd be reacting to like life sort of now, but also finding a way to bring in his, bring in his other characters and seeing how they would bump off each other. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a good free conflict day for me because the books that I've picked up and read so far have been ones where when I saw the titles on there i was like yeah i want to get that i don't know what it's about but i want to get that i've got a vague idea i think i've heard a little bit about this thing before i want to get that and they've worked out really well because i 
now want to go back to volume one and read Strangers in Paradise because it kind of seems like Riverdale, the TV show, (laughs) the comic, (laughs) but not high school. And I'm here for that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I would, um, I would, I would recommend checking, checking out 25, um, Strangers in Paradise 25. It's, I think like other, other books we've read, like um number one of a bullet there's definitely this feeling of like uh the hubris of like man and science being used against us type thing but then it also has this element of this shady underground of uh like female crime syndicate and just reading up on some of the stuff that's happened in the past of this where like it's like a soap opera of different people killing other people, incest, <laughs> love triangles, rectangles, pentagons, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm into it, I'm into it. <laughs> Leon likes his soap opera, his soap opera. <laughs> I think that, that's what's weird, like, I, I actually hate soap opera, <laughs> but I like primetime soap opera for some reason. Just, just imagining Leon to it. sitting there in the duvet with, like, um, loads of junk food, watching his telenovelas or something, you know, just watching my stories. Yeah. Well, I think I think comics do 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 the thing that soap operas offer, but in a in a much better like format for us because it's a little more cons- even though it's like campy and possibly a bit trashy, it's more considered than a daily soap opera would be. Like you get to sit down and enjoy this thing that they've they've figured out the plan like it takes a while to form a comic you know and i had the same feeling with i think the walking dead that was my version mm. of a soap opera that even though i would would never be caught dead watching a tv soap opera but i can see why this would appeal and yeah. i remember strangers in paradise being on our pull list a few months ago um but i didn't get to pick it up because it was out of the shops by the time i went in and i was really pleased to see that this same issue was available for free comic book day so oh yeah i'll be i'll be getting to this once that stack dwindles yeah and uh speaking of dwindling stacks we're coming to the <laughs> end um and uh this is another a one that i just wanted to mention briefly before we go into the big one that we all read um and this is batman white knight number eight which is the conclusion to batman white knight this is number eight of eight. Oh my gosh what a conclusion this is uh again this is just something that i wanted to um I just wanted to draw attention to it that it's finished and that if you are a tradesperson, now is the time uh, when it drops as a trade. And uh, this is primarily the work of one man writing, drawing, all of it. Um, And, uh, well, artist and writer Sean Murphy. And um, I think he's had some assistance from Matt Hollingsworth. Now, um, this is a... This 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 uh, this short miniseries, this eight issue series, has delivered an interesting and different take on a Batman story that we've probably already read at some point or other. Um, these stories that examine the relationship between the Batman and the Joker, and examine the Batman's own. Um, they are they are critical as critical of the batman as they are of the joker that they examine them in a way that they're almost as bad as each other 
And this book, um, it does that, but rather than just being a deconstruction and exploration of the two characters, it actually throws a new light on it and it it, it explores things from a, a different angle to what previous books that have done this have done. And I think it throws the uh, the spotlight of um throws the, the the spotlight of the the of the current decade over this relationship between the Batman and the Joker and what this might actually mean um you know for Gotham and everything else and the way these two characters interact and and how they are almost as bad as each other and how um at the crux of it all they're the same man almost almost um and yeah it's just it just does it really really well and it delivered an unexpected ending um it's at the beginning of the series it's not where i thought this series was going certainly um as i say it's it's um it, it was a wild ride and it's just been so different to any other batman book i've read um and it's gripping and it's satisfying and it has a very satisfying ending and it's um it's a self-contained eight issue miniseries and it's another good one for the shelf along with uh, hungry ghosts so i'd recommend picking that up if you like your batman tales um i'm not going to go too much into the story because to try and describe what happens in this issue would spoil the previous seven um because there's been some big reveals and some twists and some turns and uh some like sucker punches and I don't want to ruin that for you. I want you to experience all of that. I want I want you to take the full roller coaster when you read this. So yeah, Batman White Knight. Um Leon, I think you started this, didn't you? Yes. Uh I can't remember how far I got, but um it is one on the never ending list of must complete lists. Hmm. Well, there's only eight of them and it's finished now, so it's all there. Yeah, for which you. is merciful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mercifully, there's only eight. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a book read, like the volume yeah. read. I'll, I'll I think. To that. I think. Um, I actually, on in hindsight, I think it will read better as a completed graphic novel. When you've got it all which together in well. one place, yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed reading it monthly, but um, in hindsight, it will read better as a complete as a complete piece. I think it's great. I love it. 10 out of 10. Anyway, um, the one that we all picked up on Free Comic Book Day um, that we all read is a book called Barrier. Now, this is a book by Brian K. Vaughan and uh, we have artist um, Marcus Martin and uh, Munster Vicente. Uh, and I believe... This book is to be published weekly. There are only five of them. And the only way to get this is in print at your local comic book shop. That's right. You can't buy it digitally. It'll. It, it, there's no plans currently to collect it. The only way to pick this up right now is to walk into your comic book shop and grab one off the shelf. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, I thought that was a nice touch anyway. Um, I'm sure it's, it's very... Uh, I'm sure a lot of you probably find it a little bit, um, how do I put it, uh, inconvenient maybe, but (laughs) 
I think that's the point. I think it, the whole point of this was, is, is to get you to get up and get out and go to your LCS and support your LCS. Um, and one of the most striking things about it, and one of the first things you'll notice, other than the beautiful purple cover, which is a stark, um, sort of like desolate dust landscape, isn't it? Dusty landscape. Yeah, it is. It's a dusk landscape, and it's the the uh, border between the U.S. and Mexico, I believe. Hmm. Um, and it's a, like yeah, it's a it's a checkpoint entry. or crossing station. Yeah. Um, and it's it's nighttime, and it's just just this this plain, desolate desert landscape, punctuated by a fence and a checkpoint. Um, and it's horizontal. It's in it's in landscape, not portrait. Um, and when you open the book, the rest of the book's in landscape as well, which is one of the most striking things about it and one of the first things you'll notice. Um, and I don't know what you guys thought about that, but for me, um, I was kind of into it. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly easy to read because I was having to sort of open it like a, you know, like a calendar and sort of hold it like a calendar in front of me, like like um, <laughs> like I'm looking like I'm looking at a centerfold in a cartoon or something, you know, like <laughs> that's how I was having to read it. But it was great. I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the difference of reading it. And I think I think for the way this book is, and for the way the art's presented, and for what it's trying to do, and some of the uh, some of what it's trying to get across through the panels, I think that works better in landscape, oh, and I think sure. it's better yeah. for it. Um, because I think it, it has, it does this thing where it wants to communicate empty space and horizons. There's a lot of, if you'll notice when you look at the, uh, the horizontal panels, there's a lot of, um, sort of like long landscape. This is the horizon type stuff going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of traversing distances as well. That yeah. Expressed through that. Yeah. And it's a great way to do it. So, uh, Ray impressions. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, it's got like we we talk about TV shows again in reference to comics. Awesome cold open in this comic, like the way that the um, like the title screen, as it were, comes up a few pages in. It it got me hooked, and it's it's quite an oversized comic. Like it's over the the usual twenty eight pages. Um, to touch on what you were saying about like the uh the the panel arrangement because of the landscape arrangement. Um, there's some stuff towards the end where um. How do you say? We see this extended sequence of these two leads, and the 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 environments that they're both in, but they they share this same like they're traversing this landscape, but they share this same uh, sky and the same nightscape, and that's expressed really well in this landscape portrait. We have the two environments on both yeah. sides, and then the sky in the middle, you... and that slowly dwindles. Are you um, reading my notes? <laughs> <laughs> may well be i mean it's it's one of those things that you can't help but notice yeah it's, um, and it is very striking like it's one of those things yeah. that makes you realize how how important um or how much impact the the panel arrangements can have yeah on if i was to talk about video games i would talk about it in terms of like gameplay and narrative uh interaction or like ludo narrative dissonance mm. to you know quote unquote um that thing where playing with the page really adds something to the story and this is one of those one of these comics which you can tell they've considered everything be- and yeah and it's all done because of, they've made this initial choice to do it in landscape mm. it's now it's very cool yeah now the cool thing about this uh about that 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 
sequence you've just mentioned, which I think we're jumping ahead by going on to it, but yeah, um, sorry, <laughs> it's um, it it we've got these two characters either side of a border, and leading up to that, half of the book is in Spanish, and half of the book is in English, hmm. and throughout the whole book there's this theme communicated in the way that this book runs and the way it works and that is the theme of a border or a barrier between two characters between two objects or, or two people um and because we keep flipping back and forth between uh one side of the border to the other and it does these cool things when it introduces people and places where it gives you a full page with their face and their name and then it shows you where they are kind of thing yeah, like a dramatic um, freeze yeah, frame, which yeah. splashes, you know, splashes their name and stuff behind mm. them. It's very cinematic. But th- this uh, this sequence of silent panels, where it shows you um, the passage of time as these two people go about their lives. One person is 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 attempting to cross the border, and it shows you his struggle as he moves from place to place. And the other person is just going about her life. Um. It's like, although they are both separated, the unifying factor between the two of them is that they share maybe a time zone or, you know, you can see the the, the sky above. For both of them, it's nighttime at the same time. It's daytime at the same time. And we're given this kind of passage of time that way that they're both, although, although there is a barrier, although there is a border between the two of them, they are still experiencing time in the same way. And they are joined by that which I think is what this, these four panels give these, this, well, these pet four, is it four pages? Mm. What, towards the end? That's what that gives to me anyway. That's what I Mm. like about it. That's what I love about it. The way that it it sort of like marries that together and brings together for me, what is an overarching theme throughout the whole book, a theme of barriers and borders, henceforth the name barrier. Because like half the book, half the book is a language barrier, isn't it? (laughs) Well, because there's, there's lots of different types of barriers because it also expresses like, um, just how dissimilar this, their circumstances are. So we've got, um, you know, the barrier of distance. We've got the literal wall between them. We've got the fact that he's trying to get somewhere and she isn't necessarily. She's mm. very, she doesn't want to leave. Like people express to her about how she should get out of her situation. She should leave this because um, she's a rancher and yeah. uh, there are some violent things happening around. Um, yeah. They... And people keep telling her you should get out of this situation. Mm. She's rooted herself in this place, whereas he's trying to escape into America. Yes. Um, so their circumstances are different that way. She's isolated, whereas he's surrounded by people who are in the same mm. dire straits as he is. And there's all these different uh, things going on where it compares and contrasts, and they have yeah. things in common and things out of common. It's yeah, it's very clever. And they are literal opposites on opposite sides of a fence. Mm. Yeah um and uh what i'll do is because we've just been throwing words at you what i'll do is i'll try and give you <laughs> some kind of context by reading off the image website so from the eisner award-winning team behind private eye barrier is an unconventional drama about violence language and illegal immigration with a shocking sci-fi twist after debuting on panelsyndicate.com this critically acclaimed five-part miniseries finally comes to print exclusively from image comics after making the massive 50 plus page first issue available free on free comic book day it's a collected edition that's coming out weekly and um it's been released in a larger size to match the next four issues which come weekly throughout may 
and it's printed in its original landscape format. So yeah, it is a story exploring immigration um, and uh, violence and, you know, language and various barriers that we would come across. And uh, it's all tied together with a sci-fi twist. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, Leon, your thoughts? I thought this first issue is really, really good. Uh, it has the image colours that I love. <laughs> you know me and my fusions and purples. The sexy purple. Mm. Yeah, but like beyond that, yeah, the the format alone, the shift to like wide um, is used so well. And uh, you know me, I'm I'm more of a digital guy. I can see why it would have worked so perfectly when on panelsyndicate.com mm. because like your monitors widescreen and often reading portrait style comics on a monitor is annoying unless you turn your monitor around. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it, it fits so well and it does because of the, the different type of space that you've now got available it leads to some really interesting panel composition, but also like splash pages don't feel like this or less splash pages and more like one page is, is one panel. They don't feel now these overall or overused um, panels. Instead, it it is a good like focus so like you have some panels where it'll be like a long shot of the person mm. and then cut to a close-up and we get that particularly when they introduce one of the characters oscar and i love how they do that where it'll be a close-up and it'll say liddy or oscar mm. and then the next panel will be them with um, where we see half of their face and then it will show on the map where they are on each side of the border or barrier so she's from far texas and he's from a uh, San Pedro, uh, Honduras. Uh, and that stuff's done like just so well, so naturally. And one of the things that I find is super remarkable, like I don't speak Spanish. I understand a very rudimentary uh, level of it, but um, you can just garner what's going on during all these Spanish panels. The way that the uh, like panels are constructed the way how the characters expressions are uh, are done i think um marcus martin does just great work with not just the character expression and design but also the uh, more more the sh- the the syntax of the different panels and how each, I keep calling them shots because it is very mm. cinematic, but how each shot uh, relates to the next one. And there is one of the things that are great about comics, obviously, is that it, we're looking at frozen points in time and we connect the dots and causality and the movement of time happens by us moving to the next panel. Yeah. And the way it's done of this has, I mean, a lot for me, the ones that are more successful at this 
are the ones where the flow is really good. And I, I feel like the flow is really, uh, really well done in this. And yeah. I think, um, and, uh, Vincente's, um, colors are, cause with things like this, especially in the south of the border sections or the South American, uh, middle American, um, sections, it's easy for them just to be like different types of brown and orange because of the, the sand and the environment. But I feel like colors handed so well here. Like you have like this red book, which seems quite important, this red notebook or like the, the blue skies or the different shades of all the people trying to get on the train. I think it's um, very effective and you just like, if the thing that happens at the end of this issue hadn't happened, I would still be interested in following these characters and seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. And that extra spice at the end just makes it even more of, um, even more of, uh, of an attempting alert to keep going. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say though, and you were speaking about this before, Greg, having to hold it like a calendar. Yeah. If there's any comic that I would prefer to read digitally, it is this book. <laughs> well, I guess um, this is your worst nightmare then, Leon, because you're going to have to go to pick this up in print if you want to carry on reading it. Not essentially. The panelsyndicate.com still has Name Your Price on there. Is it still there? Yeah, and you can even leave a message to uh, to Brian and Marcus. Oh, lies then. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Digital image, wins image out website. in the end. Image website lies. <laughs> lies. But, um, yeah, it's still available on there to, to buy now. And that's probably how I will complete the series. Just because <laughs> I think, oh, my screens are really, really nice. <laughs> so like the color and everything will jump out. And oh. when, when reading this, I had to, you were reading it like a calendar. I was reading it in a way where I had to sort of fold the pages in a weird way and trying to avoid, like, hold the gutters instead of put my finger over any ink. Mm. So awkward when you have to turn page. But I, I do respect and like that they have released it physically. And um, I hope it hope it does well because it seems like it's quite an experiment, not only yeah. to release it as a widescreen book, or widescreen comic, but also the fact that they did name your price. So I'm always intrigued when uh, writers or artists or musicians or whatever do like name your price. And uh, I, yeah, I hope it works that well. I um, yeah, I I I actually liked that it was in landscape and everything else. And I'm I'm going to be a purist and I'm going to try and pick this up and I'm I'm going to read it through what I think are my two best screens, which are my eyes in a natural daylight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read things off computer screens, but that's just me. I'm I'm not good at reading things digitally. This so. is a funny conversation because I wanted to touch on this if we had time, but free comic book day makes me want to read more stuff digitally. Like I have this stack of comics that I struggle to sit down and find the space and like not just the headspace but like the literal physical space where i can be comfortable reading these books and i feel like i'd much rather 
read some of these on my iPad while I'm on the train, you know, or or even just in bed or whatever, because mm. I just find that more comfortable. Um, and that's kind of what I'm used to. And because I'm forced to read these on paper, it makes me realize that. Except for Barrier, which I really enjoyed reading in landscape format because it felt a bit more natural, like it's the whole page out in front of you upwards, like it's not taking up this horizontal space, it's taking up this vertical space. And I <laughs> I had a clipboard that I had lying around, so I read the book on that, so I could hold it in front of me like I was holding an iPad. And I found that really natural and, like, you know, engaging. So I will be buying these on paper, whereas I think a lot of the other runs that we found from Free Comic Book Day, I'll probably end up buying them through Comixology or through the mm. through the publisher's website. You see, I'm I'm a I'm old school. Oh, we know this. Yeah, I can't <laughs> I can't deal with reading things digitally. It's just I don't I get my eyes get tired quicker and it's just I just don't I can't I don't feel comfortable sitting at my computer trying to read things off a computer screen. I find it's more about physically placing yourself. So like having a table, which like I would never not read these comics at a table. I'd have yeah. to put them down on a surface to be able to read them. Yeah. I can't read them on my lap. I can. You like, see, I, I hold them like... in my hand like I would hold a book kind of like with the spine cradled in my palm and I turn the pages. I, I find that more like physically painful to do like in a lot of different i find it physically painful to turn the pages and just that feeling of maybe i'm ruining the the comic that i've like that i love in front of me and then also physically like the way i sit and the way i like plant myself while i'm trying to read and i realize i become quite tense trying to read these books like physically tense um yeah but i i just think that it's interesting that me and leon have the the opposite feeling on this one because i really want to buy barrier on paper well i mean you know, I've bought them. They're my comics. Um, I'm going to read them and I'm going to bag them and I'm going to board them. And maybe I'll come back to them one day and read them again. In fact, some of them I probably will come back to and read again. Um, and that's what they're for. It's my library. It's where I find my joy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if I, I, yeah, I'm careful with them and everything. I don't want them to, to be ripped or torn or deteriorate too quickly or whatever else, but I'm not going to baby them because the purpose of them is to be read and looked at and to be enjoyed so that's the way i am with them (laughs) i admire that yeah i can't do it (laughs) um and i think that brings us to a close as far as the comics are concerned so that has been our stack our mighty mighty stack for episode 35 um so we've got a uh, a couple of things on the pull list and then there's a question that i wanted to answer um so for the pull list um it's just me um i don't know if you've got anything on there ray uh no but while you're talking i'll have a quick sift through okay so for may the 16th which is the day this podcast is released so wednesday may the 16th we've got curse words number 14 um curse continuation of curse words which is fantastic dead hand number two which i reviewed the first one a couple episodes ago and it's a really cool spy thriller get on that uh death of love number four which will um i'm not sure if that's the final one or not i don't know i don't think so 
I think there might be five issues. But uh, yeah, that's a really cool story as well. Uh, we've got another issue of Kick-Ass. So this is like the new Kick-Ass run. Uh, we've also talked about that previously on the show. And we've talked about Death of Love as well. Um, we've got Asagi Yojimbo, um, The Hidden number three, which is the third part of a seven-part series. Uh, Batman number 47, uh, ongoing TMNT number 82. Still the longest running TMNT comic. Um, and TMNT Universe number 22. So, uh, for May 23rd, which is the following week, the one thing that I wanted to address that was coming out is, uh, TMNT Urban Legends number one. That's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends number one. And what this is, it is a reprinting of the image run. So what they're doing is they're reprinting the whole image run and then they're adding a couple of extra issues to the end of it. So that's going to be really cool. And um, that's going to be something that I am definitely going to be picking up on May 23rd. So Ray, you got anything for us? Yeah, looking through this week, so that'll be the 16th, um, there's something called Flavor, which again, I'm just going off the covers of these, but Flavor looks like... um, chefs competing in for ultimate celebrity and food uh it, it looks like what was it called shokugeki no soma but a western version that looks interesting uh there's something called a walk through hell uh by garth ennis so that that appeals and then um just because i've been watching let's plays of dark souls lately um i realized there's a tie-in to the first game that's coming out this week called dark souls the age of fire um and apparently that's to coincide with the re-release on the switch I should so, uh, I should mention there are other Dark Souls comics already. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they've been collected into um trades and things and um, okay. they're not bad, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um yeah, I know somebody who's got a couple of them. I bought him a couple for his birthday actually because he likes Dark Souls and I buy people comics, so <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll, I'll check this one out and then yeah. maybe go back yeah. to those. Yeah. Um and that has been the pull list for this week. So, uh on from there it's a question um and uh, this is a question from um a friend of ours and he says hey guys further to your review of pugne shush which almost sounded like a self-published comic are there any new self-published comics that you'd recommend or any old favorite self-published comics that were so good that you wish they'd been able to release it as a one-off physical copy um, he then goes on to explain that he's always wanted a nice hardback edition of a comic called Plan B, which is by a member of staff from the uh, Forbidden Planet store in Leicester. Um, goes by the name of Mitz. So, um, guys, um, I've got an answer to this. It's a short answer. Um, and that is... Uh, there's a, a, a web... A, a website called Moonhead Press, um, and they sort of like do self-published comics, um, sparse, few and far between, uh, you can see like, um, up until this year, the last time they published anything on, on this website was in 2014, so it's been four years between times, um, and, because they've got everything sort of in date order that they've ever made. Hmm. And uh, it's two stories in particular that stand out on this website that I wish I could get collected into some kind of trade or hardback. Um, And one of these stories is called The Deal. 
and it's a Batman story. And again, another one that explores the relationship between the Batman and the Joker and provides an ending, like an, a, an ultimate ending to, to that relationship. I won't spoil it because it's a, it's a short comic and it's online and it's free to read. So you should all check it out. And the artwork in it is amazing. Um, and, you know, this is like a self-published comic and it's so well written and so well put together and so well concluded in the short space of time that it has. Um, and there's some, there's a really, actually, I mean, everything on this website's kind of cool, but, um, there's another one on there as well called God's End, which is sort of a Superman story, um, exploring the idea of Superman having lived an unnaturally long life, watching the people of Earth, trying to help the people of Earth, and realizing that you know, he, he can't make that choice. Who is he to decide who lives and who dies and who to save and who not to save? And um, in the end, he, he realizes that it's not his place to decide that. And he leaves Earth and he travels the, the, the universe and the galaxy and he finds other worlds with life where it's simpler and it's easier and, and you know, more primitive life forms that aren't that are in, in tune with nature and that aren't violent and horrible as the human race can be at times. And, uh, he, in the end, he, he, he makes a final decision. Um, and he does what he feels he must do. And again, it's short. Um, it's like single issue length. It's only a few pages and it get it in the time it has in the panels that it gives you it delivers a, a full, complete, satisfying story, and I love it. Um, so, yeah, these are two things to check out. That I So, these are, these are like, two self-published comics that I would recommend, and uh, these are two things to check out, uh, and, and these are two things that I would, like, collected at some point into a book. Um, and that is The Deal and God's End uh, on Moonhead Press. So, that's moonheadpress.blogspot.co.uk. So, um, I guess that brings us to a close. Well, I would just mention before, um, I would add, um, a previous book that I've spoken about, I believe it's on episode 26, done by the Ben Passmore, who's the author of Day, well, author and artist of Day Glow A-Hole, which, um, Bahal spoke about this episode, but, um, yeah, his, a self-published book, um, Your Black Friend, is um, a favourite of mine in that space, um, and one that I, as I did on that previous episode, I would recommend. Luckily, um, it's we've got like a physical release that we can get, but um, I would. One thing that would be great if there was like an extended version maybe with a hardback copy or something there is like it came out quite recently um which i think i mentioned on one of the previous maybe just a couple of weeks ago um it's called your black friend and other strangers as a hardback copy so it's the the short story that you talked about and some others attached with it it's a it's a gorgeous copy i i can lend it to you if you like yeah, that was my alley-oop, but, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right. Um, but yeah, well, I'm lucky in, in, in that way that that has been released, so, 
um, that that would be my shout out. That's so well, right there. <laughs> well, I also like if we're talking about ones that have that we would have liked to have been published and then actually have been published. Uh, something I've talked about in the past, which is Demon by Jason Shiger, which um, was published online as a as a web comic only, and then years later was published on paper. And the final volume only came out like within the last six months or so, um, which was done by, if you give me one moment, um, I think it was first, second. So that's that's the publishing company. Um, and it's actually still pretty hard to find. I've never seen it in a comic book shop, but that's why I'd recommend if you want something mm. that's, you know, somewhat more difficult to, to get a hold of and, you know, has a limited run in publishing. Okay. So... I guess that has been Ace Comicals episode number 35. Uh, you can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. You can find us on Instagram at Ace Comicals. You can find links to all of these places, plus a few more, at www.acecomicals.com, which is our main uh, hub for everything, and it's where we publish all the podcasts. Um, you can also find us um, on various podcatchers and places where you'll be able to listen to stuff and i will just bring up the list now so i can tell you you can find us on apple Podcasts, overcast pocketcast spotify stitcher TuneIn, and castro um that's right we're now available on spotify um and you can find us you can find me on twitter uh, at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u if you want to field a question for ace comicals uh like we just answered then you can uh field one to either my dms on twitter or you can at the ace comicals twitter account uh which is uh, slide into our dms yes you can do that (laughs) uh you have permission um you can also um send a question directly to our email account which is acecomicals.gmail.com uh ray where can we find you uh, Twitter would be best, at Monke, so that's at M-O-O-N-K-E-H. Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett, and I just want to say shout out to our fans, really, people who've been listening, um, like, episode to episode. It's It's been nice. We, 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 we met we met um, uh, one of our listeners on uh, New Coin Big Day, and... Um, it's always it's always nice to know that there are people out there, and we we have we have like listeners like Mike who engages quite a bit, filling us with good questions. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's nice that the to have like a tangible feeling that there's people out there listening and uh, interacting. And if anything, it would just be um, it'd be cool to. Uh, like have a bit more interaction with some of you guys and uh, find out more about what you guys are enjoying and um, trying to handle any hard questions you have. So um, yes, send them on in. Yeah, considering that an over an open op- an open invitation to join the conversation. So I mean, you can engage with us in so many different ways, and we're always open to. Uh, any kind of questions you have any any kind of you know you want to start a conversation about comics or anything like that just join in you know comment on some of the stuff that we've talked about this episode if you've read it as well let us know what you thought and uh, that is ace comicals over and out